Hello, and welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. Today's topic takes us to the northern parts of Muskegon County, specifically the White Lake area. We are going to look at the history of the cleanup of White Lake, from the first sawmill to the area of concern designation by the EPA, to the successful removal of that designation in 2014. This became a big topic to cover, so we won't get to everything this time. Keep an eye out for part two that will discuss more of the post-contamination environmental success story that is White Lake. The history of White Lake as an environmental concern to success story begins in 1838. It was in this year that Charles Mears built the first sawmill on White Lake. Mears constructed this mill at the mouth of a small pond, now known as Mill Pond, on White Lake. The modern location is near the intersection of White Lake Drive and South Shore Drive in Whitehall. Shortly after Mears built his mill, James Dalton built a sawmill at Silver Creek. This caused a feud between Dalton and Mears, as Mears thought there was only enough timber for one mill in the area. Regardless of Mears' opinion on the amount of timber in the area, the lumber industry continued to grow around White Lake. In 1850, the first steam-powered mill was built by Reverend William Montague Ferry. By 1883, there were 24 sawmills around White Lake. As timber began to run out, the mills slowly began to close, with the last mill closing in 1907. During the lumbering era from 1838 to 1907, the White Lake sawmill shipped over 3 billion board feet of lumber. This massive industry allowed for the growth of Montague, Whitehall, and the surrounding townships. As financially successful as lumbering was, it did cause changes to the White Lake area. Natural wetlands were destroyed to build the sawmills. Channels were dredged through the coastal marshes to create a straighter path for logs to flow through. And after they were done being used, many of the sawmills were left along the lakefront to deteriorate with time and age. In terms of the non-lumbering industry, Eagle Tanning Works opened on White Lake south of the city of Whitehall and slightly north of Charles Mears' first sawmill location. From its start to 1940, the tannery used bark from hemlock trees in the tanning process. While this didn't improve the natural habitat of White Lake, it did not necessarily cause harm. However, in 1940, the company, now known as Whitehall Leather, switched to using chromic sulfate for the tanning process. Arsenic and mercury were added to the tanning process as biocides. Wastewater had reportedly been discharged into the lake prior to 1940. After 1940, wastewater was discharged into six lagoons on site. However, effluent from these lagoons was discharged directly into White Lake. This effluent contained chromium, mercury, arsenic, and animal hides. Periodically, sludge was dredged from the lagoons and disposed of on the southern portion of the property. Bales of tanned leather straps were placed into Tannery Bay for fill to control erosion. In 1951, Michigan Steel Casting Company, known colloquially as MISCO, began operations across Lake Drive from the tannery. A large and continuing presence in Whitehall near the shores of White Lake, MISCO, now doing business as Howmet Aerospace, is in the metallics casting industry. In 1952, 
Industrial development occurred north of White Lake in Montague with the opening of the Hooker Electrochemical Company site, later known as Occidental Chemical or Oxychem. Hooker Chemical Company was founded in Rochester, New York in 1903. The company utilized electricity to start the chemical reaction to turn salt into chlorine and sodium hydroxide. Over the years, the company expanded into the development of a wide range of products from rubber to plastics to pesticides. In 1942, Hooker Chemical was looking for a location to dispose of chemical waste. The Niagara Power and Development Company granted permission for Hooker to dump waste into Love Canal. The canal was drained, lined with thick clay, and Hooker began placing 55 gallon barrels of chemical waste at the site. In 1947, Hooker bought the canal and the banks alongside, creating a 16-acre landfill. By 1952, the area was being eyed for construction, so Hooker ceased use of the site for dumping. The company covered the canal with clay and vegetation began to grow. In 1953, Hooker Chemical deeded the Love Canal site to the Niagara Falls School Board for $1. Critically, the deed included caveats that would release Hooker from all legal obligations should lawsuits occur in the future. At the same time that Hooker Chemical Company was ceasing action at Love Canal and selling the land, they were scouting Michigan for a new location for a chloralkali plant. The people of Montague worked hard to bring Hooker to their town. A new plant meant jobs. A petition was signed by 96% of the local residents in support of the company's plans to build its plant on a ridge bordering White Lake. Hooker needed the vast underground reserves of salt in their chemical process, and the lake water was essential to cool its industrial processes. Hooker Chemical saw the value of a site in Montague and bought 880 acres of land about a quarter mile north of White Lake. As construction got underway, Hooker ran its coolant discharge pipes from the plant down into the lake at Dowie's Point. When construction was complete, the plant opened and became a financial success for Montague. In 1955, construction began on the E.I. DuPont Nemours chemical plant, located a short distance from the Hooker chemical plant. Opened as operational in 1956, the DuPont plant manufactured neoprene and acetylene, a component of neoprene. In 1957, DuPont ceased operation of the acetylene plant. In 1961, DuPont purchased a neighboring acetylene plant that was owned by Union Carbide. Unlike DuPont's original acetylene plant, the one purchased by Union Carbide generated a hydrated lime byproduct that DuPont kept in a pile across the street from their facility. In 1965, DuPont added Freon products to the work at the Montague plant. Freon is a commonly used refrigerant, but the chemical makeup of the product has changed over the years. When DuPont began the production in Montague, the products contained multiple varieties of chlorofluorocarbons, commonly known as CFCs. The first citizen concerns about potential chemical contamination in the community were raised in the 1960s. White Lake at this time had an obvious weed problem caused by tannery and municipal sewage discharge into the lake. In response, the city of Whitehall opened a new wastewater treatment facility in 1974 for industrial and municipal discharges. 
1975, Muskegon Chemical Company opened a 20-acre site in Whitehall. The plant was off Warner Street, north of White Lake Drive. Muskegon Chemical Company manufactured specialty chemicals. In 1977, a leak was discovered in the facility's drainage system. The leak was repaired, but later tests showed hazardous chemicals already present in the soil and groundwater. Citizen concerns about White Lake, its shoreline, and water quality in the White Lake area continued through the 1960s and 70s. In 1975, a couple that moved into a home in Blueberry Ridge in Montague hired attorney A. Winton Dahlstrom after they noticed strange odors and tastes from their well water. Blueberry Ridge was on White Lake, just across Old Channel Trail from the Hooker Chemical Plant. A lab test of the couple's water identified three toxic chemicals, all byproducts of Hooker Chemicals' process. In 1976, the state threatened to revoke Hooker's waste discharge permit because of illegal discharges into the water and air of an organochloride compound known as C56. Residents nearby the Hooker plant knew the smell of the C56 discharges into the air. They described it as a mix of laundry bleach and geraniums. After several months of the state bending its rules for Hooker while waiting for the company to change its waste practices, the chemical company shut down its C56 production. The official reason from Hooker was that producing C-56 had become cost prohibitive. 18 jobs were lost in this decision, and some of the former employees blamed local environmentalists for their job loss. A month after Hooker ceased C-56 production, the town of Montague began to divide between pro-industry and pro-environment. Hooker employees united around their company, while pressure was placed on local businesses who advertised in the White Lake Observer, a weekly paper that was closely following the Hooker controversy. The publisher of the White Lake Observer, Darwin Bennett, became a target himself for some of the ire in Montague. It eventually got to the point where Bennett and two others filed statements with the police, fearing the anger would turn to physical violence against them. The White Lake Observer stopped publishing stories about Hooker, Instead, Bennett would place a blank section in the paper where the hooker story would have been. All of this was because of the water and air discharges and the subsequent ending of C-56 production at Hooker. What the citizens of Montague did not know was that the situation at Hooker Chemical was about to get much worse. In the summer of 1977, an employee from Hooker Chemical, William Dobson, became a whistleblower on the hazardous chemical dumping that Hooker was doing. Dobson worked in the C-56 operation at Hooker. He came forward to say that Hooker had hundreds of 55-gallon drums in a pile behind their plant. Dobson also stated that some of the waste had been poured from the drums directly onto the ground, killing trees in an area nearby. Dobson also said in a remembered quote that would come to represent the whole situation that a supervisor once told him, this isn't a chocolate factory. In March of 1978, Months after Dobson's sworn affidavit, a state DNR investigation showed 20,000 barrels of chemicals on the Hooker property that had been leaking chemicals into the ground for years. In August of 1978, another Hooker environmental disaster became a state health emergency hundreds of miles away. 
Love Canal, the former hooker waste site turned into a neighborhood, was all over national news for numerous health effects from the chemicals leaching into the ground and water. Bennett recalls that when the Love Canal news broke, the atmosphere changed in Montague. The tide of public opinion turned against hooker chemical. Calls and letters to the governor, the Michigan DNR, and the EPA demanded action in White Lake. The fear and anger in the community further escalated when tests of the chemicals showed a potential hazard to human embryos and the possibility to cause genetic changes. In 1979, the state found Hooker responsible for illegal dumping and contamination of the land. There was a settlement between Hooker and the state of Michigan that stated Hooker Chemical would spend $15 million to clean up the contaminated groundwater and soil. Crucially, the state maintained ownership of the site. Any future sale or use would need authorization from the state attorney general. This was done specifically to avoid a situation like Love Canal, where a neighborhood and school were built right over top of the toxic waste site. Also in 1979, the ABC News documentary, The Killing Field, premiered. The documentary detailed many chemical plant contamination sites across the US. The main focus is Love Canal, the biggest hooker chemical site that caused a disaster, but the documentary discusses the hooker plant in Montague as well. Montague is described as a, quote, town that faces what officials have called the worst environmental disaster in Michigan history, and that, quote, the lake is now regarded by many as dying, end quote. ABC details the results of tests of the water, that they show a high level of pesticides, including murex, that are known carcinogens. At the time of the documentary, William Dobson is interviewed and he is asked if he regrets coming forward about Hooker's practices. Dobson responds with, quote, no, not at all, not a little bit. What I did was right. This is my home. I like it around here. I love the streams and the rivers and the lakes, end quote. The documentary also asks a state DNR rep why it took so long after Dobson came forward for the state to investigate. The DNR rep responds by saying that his department is severely understaffed. There were only three men to cover a third of the Lower Peninsula, including Montague. Because of this, the DNR largely has to take the word of the company that all chemicals are being disposed of and housed properly. In 1980, cleanup began at the Hooker Chemical site. One solution that is still visible today is an earthen pyramid, sometimes referred to as the Temple of Doom. The pyramid is a clay-lined, earth-covered vault for toxic soil removed from various locations on the Hooker Chemical property. Construction and filling of the pyramid took nearly two years. The pyramid has been a good solution, as a leak has never been discovered since its construction. In 1983, chemical production ended at Hooker Chemical, now owned by Occidental Chemical. However, also in 1980, a test of a municipal well in Whitehall showed chemical contamination. So while things were heading in the right direction for the Hooker chemical site, the environmental disaster of White Lake was far from over. That is it for part one of our look into the transformation of White Lake. In the next part, we'll track the history of EPA involvement in the area, and how the White Lake community worked to successfully rehabilitate the lake from an environmental disaster to an environmental success.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.